Good morning again. All right. Maybe a few more of y'all have woke up since the last time I was up here. Um, we will be in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 5 this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 5 this morning. And we, before you stand, we'll be talking this morning about the third family relationship addressed by Paul. The third family relationship addressed by Paul. He started off with husbands and wives. Then he went to parents and children. By the way, I, I got some feedback from parents and children this week, and uh, one one little feller, one little feller was asked um, what he took from the message, and he said, "I really don't know. I really didn't want to hear it." <laughs> An array of those kind of comments came from the the kids this past week. Um, third family relationship. Husbands and wives, parents and children, bond servants and masters. Family relationship. Yeah, as a matter of fact, in Ephesus, well, not just Ephesus, but in a lot of the smaller cities, slaves or bond servants made up about one-third of the population. Most of these scenarios, people could, a, a bond servant or a slave could earn their freedom. And they were actually, in some cases, being paid. And when they got their freedom, they were handed the money they had earned during the time they had served. In other cases, they used that money to buy their freedom. They could buy themselves out. In other words, most of them were working off a of debt. Well, when this freedom came, a lot of them had grown so accustomed to being where they were, they didn't leave. They continued to work for that person as a free person. So, from, for, for this day and time, again, this is context. This is go back to what does the Bible say. And we've got to understand everything that's going on so we can understand why Paul was writing this, when he wrote it, where he wrote it, who he was talking to. And it's right here with husband and wife, children and parents, and now masters and bondservants. Well, it's because at that time, this was a part of the family. This was a part of the family relationship. People had slaves, people had bondservants, people had servants. And Paul has some instruction in here. Then after you understand what it says, and, and, and then you can go to application. Then you can move over to the other side of it, and hopefully at the end of it today we'll have time to do that and look at the application. How does this apply to us? Because we don't live in that time. We don't have this going on. I also need you to remove from your mind this country's slavery situation. That was not what this was. Nowhere in Scripture does God condone selling and buying people. This slavery 
that we had in this country was different from this. This was bond servants. That's why the word's different. And um, I kept seeing this note pop up every, every time I would read through this and digging through notes and studying and looking at things. It kept telling me to turn to page 21. And I thought, page 21? That would be the preface of my Bible. I found some pretty cool information in the preface of my Bible this week. We'll look at that here in just a little while. So get your mindset, get yourself prepared. Remember, keeping our, our context going, we're, we're going all the way back to chapter 5, verse 1, where, he, where we were instructed to be imitators of God and walk in love. And then we get these examples and, and this instruction of doing that in our family relationships. Now today we're going to break outside of that family relationship and we're going to use this application outside of that. But at the same time, we're keeping it in context and that's what Paul's talking about is family relationships. Husband and wife, children and parents, bond servants and masters. So y'all, let's go read this in Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 5. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart, as you would Christ. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them, and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, again, we come to you to say thank you for this day, and thank you, Father, for your guidance and your direction to get us to this point. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, we, we pray for those that have been mentioned this morning already. You know the needs, Father. You know um, the process and the progress that's being made. And we just ask, Father, for your presence to be seen and felt, whether they're waiting to be scheduled for a surgery or they're currently going through a surgery, Father, or they're recovering from some kind of sickness or illness. We just ask, Father, for your guidance and your direction um, in their life. We ask, Father, that your will be done. We trust you with each one of them, Father. We trust that, that you know more about the situation than we do, and we trust, Father, that you will do what is right and what is just. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be gathered this morning to study your word, to read your word. I just pray, God, that you would send your word out, Father, that you would use me to do that, that you would um, use me, Father, simply as a tool to, to get your word um, to your people. Father, we thank you, we love you, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Each of these um, three examples that, that uh, Paul has given us here um, start out in, in, in a similar way. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, starts out with wives, submit to your own husbands. Um, verse 1 in chapter 6 says, children, obey your parents. And now here in chapter 5, we get 
bondservants, obey your earthly masters. These are all relationships that have an authority element to them. This is is Paul giving us what it looks like and what it should look like when we imitate God inside of relationships where there is an authority that's been given. So the first thing that all of us can draw from this, from these three examples, is that God does establish relationships in this earth where authority is a real thing. Well, one of the biggest things that we see in our society today is the lack of respect for authority. Whether it's amongst our children with the parents or it's out in society to the police or or to the law or to to the courts or the judge, whatever. We see a big lack of respect for authority in our society. Now, I want you to know and understand another thing about these three relationships. This letter was written to a church. These instructions are to church people, right? So this is not, we're not capable, and we'll get into this next week and the coming weeks. We're not capable of imitating God in and of ourselves in any situation in any relationship, and any time that authority is involved. We're not capable. So this isn't written to unchurched, ungodly people. In other words, don't be surprised how ungodly people act ungodly. God's not. These instructions aren't to them. So this is why it gets even more tricky and more... um, I'll just stick with tricky... When one or both of those involved in any of these relationships are ungodly. They don't have that standard. Right? They don't don't have that starting point. So it makes it even more difficult for the one who is God's person, God's child when you're dealing with somebody who is not. But also notice in all three of these examples, there is not a out. There is not a if they do, you do. Wives are not told to submit to their husbands if they love them like God does, Christ did the church. It doesn't say children obey your parents as long as your parents are godly. Right? It's, it's, a, it's a covenant deal. In other words, I've got to do my part regardless. I've got to do my part as a husband regardless of whether or not my wife does her part. I've got to do my part as a parent regardless of if my child does their part. In other words, I can't be provoking. In any of these relationships, as an imitator of God, imitate God, walk in love. I've got to do my part regardless of what's going on around me. And I've got to keep in mind that everybody don't have this instruction. It's just God's children. It's just the church. It's just the godly. So don't be surprised that ungodly people 
act ungodly. It's, it's, it's just the way it is. So, as we dig into this, I want to continue to grab some uh, background and context. So I want to go to 1 Corinthians. It's the only time today you'll have to flip in your Bible, so go with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Verse 21. Um, this is right in the middle of a, a heading that says, Live as you are called. And, and I'm going to back up to verse 17 and, and read you all this. All of it does not necessarily apply, but it kind of lets you know that I'm not taking this out of context. Verse 17, I'm going to start at verse 17 in chapter 7, 1 Corinthians. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but, but keeping the commandments of God. Each one should remain in the condition in which he was called. Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called to, in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. Likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. If you were called circumcised, don't worry and try to remove that. If you were called uncircumcised, don't try to change that. Come as you are. If you were called as a bondservant, don't worry about that. But if you have the opportunity to become a free man, this goes back to the point I was making earlier about these people that were bondservants had the opportunity to not be bondservants anymore. Some of them it was through so many years of service. Some of them it was through so much money earned or a debt paid off or whatever it was. Don't, don't, if you have that opportunity, do that. It's okay for you to become a freed person if you're a bondservant. But at the same time, whatever you were called as, serve as that. Go back to Ephesians chapter five, uh, 6. I'm going go, to read you something I told you about on page 21 of my Bible. It's in the preface. And I had no idea why my notes were instructing me to go to the preface um, until I got there. 
A particular difficulty is presented when words in biblical Hebrew and Greek refer to ancient practices and institutions that do not correspond directly to those in the modern world. Did y'all catch that? Such is the case in the translation of Ebed, which is the Hebrew word, and D-O-U-L-O-S, doulos, as best I can do, in Greek. Translating these two words becomes a problem because it isn't the same now as it was then. These terms which are often rendered slave. These terms, however, actually cover a range of relationships that requires a range of renderings, slave, bond, servant, or servant, depending on the context. Further, the word slave currently carries associations with the often brutal and dehumanizing institution of slavery, particularly in the 19th century America. For this reason, the ESV translation of the words ebed and doulos has been undertaken with particular attention to their meaning in each specific context. Thus, in the Old Testament times, one might enter slavery either voluntarily, e.g. to escape poverty or to pay off a debt, or involuntarily, by birth, by, helping, uh, by being captured in battle, or by a judicial sentence. Protection for all servitude in ancient Israel was provided by the Mosaic Law, including specific provisions for the release from slavery. In New Testament times, a doulos is often best described as a bond servant. That is, someone in the Roman Empire officially bound under contract to serve his master for seven years. So there was a time frame. Except for those in Caesar's household in Rome who were contracted for 14 years. When the contract expired, the person was freed, given his wage that had been saved by the master, and officially declared a freed man. The ESV usage of thus seeks to express the most fitting nuance of meaning in each context, where absolute ownership by a master is in, in, envisaged, slave is used. Where a more limited form of servitude is in view, bondservant is used. Where the context indicates a wide range of freedom, servant is preferred. So we have slave, bondservant, and servant. None of which looks like the slavery that we picture when we hear the word slave. Alright, I, I said these instructions are given to the church. Don't be surprised when ungodly people act in an ungodly manner. Alright, so we'll also dig in here and see that some people mistreated other people. They get an instruction. Right? That's called human nature. <laughs> Some people abuse their authority. Again, that's called human nature. Is it okay with God? No. Is it pleasing to God? No. Does He expect it from His children? Absolutely not. But does it happen? Sadly enough, yes it does. You know why? 
We live in a fallen creation. We're seeing rules. So in any of these, these, these uh, examples, any of these relationships, family relationships that Paul's talking about, it is possible for you and I to pick out one and go, well, that ain't right. That's because you're dealing with imperfect beings. You're dealing with human nature. But that's not the example we point at to find what is pleasing to God. Remember, this is how relationships should look if we want to be imitators of God and walk in love. Even the person in authority in all three of these examples gets some instruction, right? Wives, be submissive to your own husbands. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, do not provoke your children out of anger, right? Bond servants, obey your masters, and we'll get to the end of this and see that the masters get some instruction too. So no matter what side of these relationships we stand on, we can take some instructions from it. All right, so let's get into that. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. With a sincere heart. What does God desire out of each one of us as much as He desires anything else in this world? Obedience. Mostly obedience to Him, right? That's what God desires from us, is for us to just be obedient to Him. Obedience is, is a um, priority for God in our lives. He desires for every one of us to just be obedient. He doesn't want us to stand around and ask questions about what He's asked us to do. He just wants us to be obedient, right? It's what He desires from us. What if Christ received the instructions that He received to come to this earth and die on that cross and He spent a hundred years standing and looking at God going, but why? But ain't there another way? But what Christ understood above anything else is it had to be done. Why did it have to be done? Was there another way? Was, was there some other? Could there have been another? I ain't going to say, was there another way? We know there wasn't any other way. But could God have devised some other plan where Christ didn't have to suffer? Well, He's God. He could do whatever He wants to. Sure, He could have. But all Christ needed to know was this was the way that God wanted it done, right? That should be good enough for you and I. God just desires obedience, right? He just desires us to obey. And look at here, to obey with a sincere heart. Not begrudgedly, not, not ill about it, right? Obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling and with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but genuine obedience. Bond servants, obey your masters. Just be obedient. And do it in a way that's pleasing to God. Now, one of the most common ways to see this taught and applied is in our workforce. 
That's, that's, the most, that's, the, that's the place most people want to take this and say that this directly translates into the relationship between employee and employer. Will it apply? Yeah. But does it directly translate into that? No. No, this is family relationships. This is husband, wife, children, parents, bond servants, masters. These are people that were within the household. So does it directly translate to employee-employer? No. No, that's not what Paul's talking about here. Now, can we take some of the principles from this teaching and apply it to that? In other words, do you think God wants me to respect the authority that He's given my employer? Sure He does. He desires for me to look the same way wherever I'm at. Like a child of His. He expects me to behave a certain way no matter where I'm at. Like a child of His. And let me assure you, this is the one place that I struggle the most in my spiritual walk. Is the relationship between myself and my boss. I struggle. I struggle regularly. I struggle so much that my wife got employed by the same guy so she can kind of keep things... I think that's why God put her there, <laughs> to keep me from getting fired. <laughs> I struggle. I mean, I'm, I'm just telling you, this, that's the truth. I struggle. And a big part of my struggle is that my boss is not a godly man. <laughs> and, and he knows exactly which buttons to push on old Nick. Can you make believe that just Friday... <laughs> It's real life stuff with me. I'm sorry. Just Friday, we were we were doing a certain job and had had a we have a hand pump. You know, you had to, and and it hooks to a that's hooked to a hydraulic pump that's hooked to a cylinder. They call it a porter power, which means portable power unit. They make a thing that you can hook to that, and you go over here and you go and step on it and it goes and does all we've begged for one for 17 years we don't have it <clears throat> we still well this thing builds up tons of pressure as you pump this handle the more tonnage you put on it it goes from this to with all you got it's 711 degrees outside Friday <laughs> So I went, I mean, I, I, my, my knees ain't real good, so getting down on, well, this unit's, I mean, if, you, if you're down, you had to get down on one knee and get down there and work it. So I picked it up and put it on a little stool and put two wood blocks on top of the stool and put this unit on top of that so I could stand up here beside it. I said something about going to get that thing. He said, why, you can't get down there, you barely get in the way? <laughs> I can take fat jokes from fat people, but when skinny people, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? This is a real struggle for me. This, this, this relationship between employer-employee applying these principles is a, 
I mean, I have to really consciously think about every word that comes out of my mouth. I have to really consciously start my day in prayer so that I can, can keep my composure and imitate God in that relationship. I'm just being honest with you. So in studying this, trying to find every way I could for this not to mean, <laughs> just being honest with you, keeping it real. So I've had to slow down this week and go, you know what, I may be right. It may not be a direct command or a direct tie between employee and employer. But does God desire to see these things in my relationship with my boss? Absolutely He does. Does God desire for me to be an imitator of Him wherever people may see me? Does God desire me to be an imitator of Him when ain't nobody looking? Really and truly He does. Really and truly He does. And to be sincere about being a servant isn't always the easiest thing to do. Being sincere in being an employee isn't always the easiest thing to do. But God desires it. I assure you He does. He told me more than once this week He does. <laughs> so as we continue to look at this, keep in mind... Some of us struggle. Verse 6, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Not as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. God has a desire to see us serve. And God has a, a way that He desires to see us do that. Not begrudgingly, not mad because we got asked to, right? Not, not ill about it because the timing's off or because it's an extra 75 degrees outside hotter than you want it to be, right? And not, not in the time. Sometimes when we volunteer to be servants, Sometimes that phone rings at a time that is not convenient to us. And that triggers something in us. Remember, we're talking about applying this across relationships so that we can be imitators of God no matter what we're doing. It isn't always the easiest thing to do to sign up to be a servant of any kind because God has all of these stipulations He wants to put on it like doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. In other words, doing it in a way that you ain't doing it for somebody, whatever we're talking about, but doing it in a way as though we're doing it for the Lord. That kind of changes the way I have to go about things, don't it? It kind of changes the way my response, <laughs> what my response can be. 
Because now I'm not doing it for a person. Now I'm doing it for God. Now, now that kind of takes on a whole different look. Now that kind of changes the way my mentality has to work. Keep going. We're going somewhere, I promise. Y'all just keep going with me. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he's a bondservant or free. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord. You remember that... Uh, the uh, idea <clears throat> that is sold from comments like this in Scripture sometimes are misleading. In other words, some people turn this into, if I give $20 with the right mindset, God will give me my $20 back. Well, that's, that's not what that says. <laughs> that's not what Paul's talking about. But it gets turned into that. What he's saying is... No good deed goes unrecognized. Whether you get returned for it in this walk of life or you get returned for it in the afterlife is up to God. But know that whatever you do gets a return. A lot of people say no good deed goes unpunished. In other words, it seems like every time I try to do something good for somebody, something bad happens to me. Well, that's a backwards way of, that's a very depressing way of walking through this life, ain't it? Think about that. Think about it. The reality of it is God does not miss anything that you do. And that doesn't mean He's going to pay you for everything you do in this life. It does not mean that. But what it does mean is it doesn't go unnoticed. And at some point you can look forward to receiving reward based on that deed. But you can't go into that deed looking for your reward, right? Because now you've done it out of the way you've been instructed to do it. Now you've done it selfishly. Now you didn't do it as doing it unto the Lord. Now you've done it as doing it for self. And you just completely changed the whole complexity of the whole obedient idea. The hardest thing in this world for anyone... I'm going to speak for self, but I believe y'all agree. The hardest thing in this world to overcome is self. If I could get the guy I shave with to act right, I'd have this thing whooped. But I, he don't, he's hard-headed. He wants what he wants when he wants it. Everything he does turns into some selfish act if he ain't careful. I, the hardest thing in this world to overcome is self. I can't get me to act right no matter how hard I try. <laughs> and it comes out <laughs> in the most inappropriate times, <laughs> in the most inconvenient situations, Because really, at the root of all of us, is selfishness. And that's what keeps us from being able to live out our relationships 
in a manner that's pleasing to God is self and selfishness. Because what I really want is what I want. What I really want is to be able to walk over there and push that button and I'd have to hammer on that stupid lever. <laughs> and it wouldn't be near as sweaty if I could just walk over there and push that button and it'd get the same thing done. What I really want is what's best for me. Right? Regardless of what it costs somebody else. That's really what I want. That's really what you want. But what God desires is for us to be obedient to Him, which is exactly opposite of all that. That's what makes all this so difficult. In my life, anyway. Y'all may know more about this than I do. <clears throat> Verse 8, Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is bondservant or is free. Now, instructions to masters. Keeping with Paul's theme of giving instruction in both directions of the relationship inside of these uh, household relationships. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he, he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening. You know, it, again, I know it's hard to imagine that somebody in the place of authority would abuse authority. But it wasn't uncommon for these bond servants to be beaten, to be sold off to somebody else, or to just be threatened for those things to happen. It was, it was common for that to happen. And that's what Paul's addressing right here. Stop doing that. You, you do the same to them. In other words, you serve them as if you're serving Christ. You imitate God in your side of this relationship as well. And again, we've always tied it, or I have, and, and heard it done so many times, tied this directly to the relationship between employee and an employer. And, and, and I always wanted to take this to my boss <laughs> and show him you can't be that way. Stop it! <laughs> but really and truly, this isn't that direct tie. Now, if you are an employer and a godly person, can you apply these principles to your employee-employer relationship? Yes, you can. But that's not who Paul's talking to. In its original text, this was a relationship inside of a family. And this was the master of the person who was working off a debt, whether by time or by amount of money. Um, again, we read it in the preface. Some of these folks were in, in service until a certain amount of time. And during that time, the master actually put their pay off to the side. When they became a free person, they were handed their money and turned loose. Some of them, the money is what they were earning to buy their own freedom. So they didn't get a wad of cash when they left. They just got their freedom. Some of them didn't even leave. They, they liked the situation they had. They became a freed person and stayed employed by that master. So they, these relationships 
are to be held in a way, walked out in a way, done in a way, regardless of the relationship we're talking about, in a way that it imitates God. So that other people look at that relationship and see something different. So that the outside world looks into that relationship and desires what you have in that relationship. My marriage relationship is supposed to be a representative a physical picture of the relationship between Christ and the church. And in order for it to do that, I have to walk out my part of that in a way that's pleasing to God, and she has to walk out her part in a way that's pleasing to God. And if at any time either one of us stops doing that, it stops looking like this picture. Everything in this world is put here to give glory to God when it's done in the right way. Our relationships are no different. When we, when we walk out in these relationships in the way that God desires for it to be done, it brings glory to Him. When it's not done that way, we get what we have in our society today, which is the exact opposite of bringing glory to God. It brings shame. And it's because we've gotten so far away from these teachings of Scripture and the desires of God. Um, stop your threatening knowing that He who is both their master and yours is in heaven. Although you may have some authority here on this earth, you and me both know you ain't their master. Their master is the same as your master, and your master is in heaven. They got the same master. That authority that God gives, He expects to be handled in a certain way, just like the other side of that, respecting that authority. He expects us to handle that authority in a certain way so that it reflects right and not abuse it and not take advantage of it and not use it to gain something over somebody else these same um, relationships <clears throat> all of these relationships have the, those two things in common a, a, a submissive person or an obedient person and a person of authority don't abuse either side of that getting to the end there is no partiality with Him. Christ isn't concerned whether you're the master or the servant. Right? There is no partiality. God doesn't care if you're the husband or you're the wife. He still expects you to do your role. Whether you're the child or the parent, He expects you to do your role. Equal but not the same. Right? Husband and wife is the best place to see this. Equal but not the same. Your, your role is equally important to God, but it's not the same role. God intentionally created man and woman to be different. Equal but not the same. He shows no partiality. He doesn't love women more than men or men more than women. But He expects both of them to stay in their role to take on the role that He designed them to take on and, and, and stay there. 
Same thing with children and parents. We see a lot in our, in our society today, we see children taking on a parental role inside their household. Don't we? Don't that happen? Sure it does. Sure it does. And that's a whole lot of stress for a child to take on that they should not have to take on. And it happens. And then we can't figure out why these kids are struggling. It, it takes place in so many different roles. I mean, so many different ways that the wrong person gets into the wrong role. And it's not designed to be that way. And anytime we try to do anything outside of the way God designed it, it's going to be tough. Matter of fact, a lot of times it's going to be impossible. That's why we have to consult with what he desires on the subject, whatever the subject is. In my opinion, reading through this and going, going over this, and, and it may be because I'm so messed up in the head, um, but this, part, this bond servant and, and uh, masters is the toughest one to preach, to teach, because it doesn't coincide directly with anything in current day society. Does it have application? Sure it does. Absolutely it does. But there's not a direct thing that you can point at and say this is what it looks like today. But it's important to go through it and, and have all three of these done before we go forward into next week. And maybe even the coming weeks, depending. But as we start to look at... We've been instructed to be imitators of God. Anybody in here want to raise their hand and say, I'm good at that? Huh? Anybody want to say, I think I've about mastered the walk in love thing? Yeah, most of us struggle with it, don't we? Most of us struggle. In reality, we stink at it. But there's some secrets to it. See, the story doesn't stop there. Paul goes on to give us some instruction and we'll get into that in the coming weeks of what it looks like to put on the whole armor of God because see, in your strength, you're probably not going to be a very good husband or wife. In your strength, you're probably not going to make a very good parent or child. In your strength, you're probably not going to make a very good bond servant or master. But in God's strength, The only way it's possible to be an imitator of God is to fully rely on Him. So, thank you for suffering through this morning so we can get to the good stuff in the weeks to come. Because this one's tough. I ain't going to lie to you. It's tough to study. It's tough to preach. It's tough to do. But I think it's applicable in a whole lot of our relationships as we walk around on this earth trying to bring the darkness to the light and trying to be imitators of God so that the rest of the world looks at what we have and desires it.